Podcasting from Albuquerque, New Mexico, the land of enchantment, this is the weekly podcast called The Rendezvous. Your hosts are Lance and Kenny, a nerdy gay couple exploring current events, social justice, atheism, mental and physical health, humanism, politics, gaming, spirituality, religion, and a whole lot of other nerdy stuff. Both Lance and Kenny are graduates from the University of Massachusetts with bachelor's degrees, both with honors. Lance has an MS in health education and is currently working on a master's in marriage and family therapy, while Kenny completed courses towards a master's of social work, but later switched gears and is now working on a master's degree in software engineering. Now, let's get this show brewing. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of The Rendezvous. Today's episode is titled Weeding Out Injustice, Lighting Up the Economy. I'm your co-host, Kenny. I'm your host, Lance. And as you heard, the title of this week's episode is Weeding Out Injustice, Lighting Up the Economy. And we sort of stole that. It comes from our congresswoman here in New Mexico, Deb Holland, who sent an email out today asking about marijuana legalization in our state because it's a big topic. So... And also... It's 420. What, what? (laughs) So we figured it only made sense for us to do an entire episode devoted to this because there's a lot of things built into it. It isn't just about smoking weed or consuming weed in any sort of form. There's a lot behind what goes into marijuana legalization, what is the hidden pieces behind the war on drugs, and... There's a lot of good things that can come out of legalizing marijuana. So we have an entire order of the show, so I'm going to hop right in and see what happens. So first up is how did 420 become a holiday? And Kenny found this. It's it's more than just someone got high. (laughs) But, you know. (laughs) There is a story behind it that apparently has actually become pretty well accepted accepted to the point where Oxford English Dictionary put it in as like the backstory for 1971 was the year yep. that that it became that it was first celebrated well I had no not I, first celebrated not first celebrated no this is where the the story starts was in 1971 mm-hmm. five California high school students were on the hunt for an abandoned cannabis crop that they had heard about so legend has it that there's this massive cannabis crop abandoned in the woods <laughs> they set 4:20 p.m as their meeting time and used the phrase 420 lewis as their code when referring to the plan eventually it was shortened down to 420 there's this whole thing about them being linked to the grateful dead through an older brother of one of the guys and backstage marijuana smoking sessions with the band it sounds like they kind of somehow got involved with just following like the tour or whatever around and yeah. kind of got to know some of the roadies and well one of the brothers oh uh, the brother yeah had a friend in the band and the band picked up on the code word the real spread of the code word as this newsweek article puts it began when a grateful dead flyer advertised 420 as the password for stoner culture. I knew that the Grateful Dead had like a place solidified in 420 culture. Oh, I mean Come on. Uh, but I had no idea that they advertised 420. And the article continues on and actually talks about some really good things, including how people celebrate 420. There are a million ways that people do it. Um, a lot of people will smoke at 4.20 p.m. Others attend festivals in Colorado, naturally. There is the Mile High 420 Festival that brings uh, marijuana legalization advocates from around the world. There's even a carnival in Colorado today, which starts with yoga and includes a canna sermon. What? I mean, come on. That's amazing. Yeah, I want to celebrate there. Yeah. So it's really kind of interesting. There's even things held in every city. A lot of times there's an intertwining of 420 and Earth Day because Earth Day is on Monday. Yep. So a lot of people intertwine the two because... That's actually what's going on here in Albuquerque. Yeah. Like, there's a couple of Earth Day Fests and 420 Fests going on today. They sort of combine, and it's it's a lot of fun, but there's, there's a lot behind it. Mm-hmm. So, moving on. Moving on. 
What happens when a state like Colorado legalizes pot? I use pot just because I'm 41 years old and it just felt right. They get lots of money. They do get lots of money. And actually, so you can look at the Colorado Department of Revenue's so website. The, so the their very first year of legalization, what did they bring in? January 2014 was like the starting. Their total sales that year were $683 million. Over $683 million. It was nearly 684 mm -hmm. Total marijuana this is, this is sales. Pretty, it's pretty insane how, how it just steadily climbed. Yeah. 2015, it increased to $995 million, And it was over $1 billion since 2014. In 2016, it hit $1 billion uh, just in the year, the calendar year. That brought it to almost $3 billion since legalization. 2017 hit $1.5 billion, bringing it to almost $4.5 billion total since legalization. 2018 saw $1.5 billion and total sales at over six billion dollars. That's a lot of weed and billion. a lot of money. <laughs> a lot of money. It's a ridiculous amount. In 2019, they only have January to February, which, I mean, that's a lot. And the sales were already $244,282. Or $244 million. million. Yeah, million. $282,134. That is that's Crazy. a lot of money. So what what can we do with that money? Everything. There's it's actually really interesting. They even have a marijuana enforcement division and Colorado kind of took the way of how most states deal with alcohol and So they go around to just make sure that everyone's following regulations right. and there are all sorts of really cool things you can look at. You can look at each year since legalization, you can view and download monthly reports. So there's a lot of money to be had yeah. in marijuana legalization. A lot of money that could be well spent. But Colorado does some really brilliant things with the money that they make. So this article that we have is from December of 2018. They talk about it being almost five years after legalization. The tax money just keeps pouring in for Denver and the state of Colorado. The Denver Office of Marijuana Policy projected more than $48 million in revenue for 2018 alone from different taxes on marijuana. In Denver, all marijuana tax money goes to the general fund. The city also needs to dedicate portions of that tax revenue to education, enforcement, and regulation. This is huge because this money is actually being used for good. They use it for education. They use it to improve their education system. Hi, New Mexico. We should probably focus on doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Which we're about to. We're like, I, I seriously think that New Mexico is going to have legalization uh, by the end of this year. And actually, how, do we know how many states? I think the last I saw... Ten, ten states, states right? in the District of Columbia. Right. And that woman in the Denver Office of Marijuana Policy actually said that nearly $13 million of the money went toward youth prevention efforts. Because in Colorado, a 14-year-old can't walk into a dispensary and get edibles or buy weed itself. Well, they can't even walk into a dispensary. I don't you believe. Have to, no, you have to show your ID. You can't even go in with your parents. Right. Like, you are outside. You actually have to show your ID to enter... Out-of-state people can go. Mm -hmm. We've gone to... When, where did we uh, go? We went to... Is it, is it Pueblo, Colorado? Pueblo? Is that a place in Colorado? It is. I think you're I right. I think I'm right, too. It's, like, close to the border. And we had... When we Not first moved close. here to New Mexico from Pennsylvania, we... Uh, I didn't have any weed, and I wanted weed. And so uh, I hadn't met anyone yet. So, I actually, we drove to the, across the Colorado border to get some. It was well across Colorado border. It's not like it was we actually, drove. Oh yeah, it was like we took a, like a five hour drive, but it wasn't just to get Six. the weed. It was it was like to go. We had never been that yeah. way in that direction. We'd so. never been up north, so it was a kind of a cool drive. Mm -hmm. But the city of Denver 
was going to use in 2018 five million dollars for maintenance of the capital four million dollars to fix aging parks and recreation centers and an estimated eight million dollars per year to help double denver's affordable housing fund that's huge yeah that's on top of the 40 million dollars that goes to school construction right and in this article, all of these articles, anything that we read from or drew from for this, you will be able to go to the links and see. And in this article, you can actually view the entire state's report, mm -hmm. but I only have a short it's, period of time. It seems like most of, well, every state really uses a huge portion of those funds for, for education. Right. A massive portion of those funds go to education and infrastructure and just, you know, making the place better it goes to the community. Right. And in Colorado, the their state constitution requires that the first $40 million in excise tax money goes to school construction. Anything over that from the excise tax goes towards public school funding. Honestly, states really need to look at Colorado's model because mm -hmm. it does a lot not just for education, not just for drug prevention, not just for policing, but it's helping parks, it's building affordable housing in Denver. And I don't know if anybody knows, Denver is so it's expensive. expensive. It's expensive. So expensive. I want to go to a PhD program in Denver and I can't afford to live there. So <laughs> there's, yeah, it's there's extremely that. expensive. And overall, 47% of marijuana tax money went to schools for fiscal year 2017-2018. 41% went to other state services, and the remaining 12% went into a general fund that the state can use. I'm curious to, to know how other states um, spend their money. I, I would imagine, I would hope, that it's similar to the way that Colorado and Denver in right. particular spends their money. Right. So the war on people of color, not drugs, is my fourth piece. Oh, so we're like, we're going straight from like, oh, the good things about oh, yeah, the we're, marijuana. We're not just going to sit here and celebrate what I want. I even made a post today on Facebook mm -hmm. from this article from the ACLU because it's cool. It's a fun thing to talk about. But the reality is the war on drugs was racist as hell. And it's had some really negative impacts on various communities of color and this article speaks specifically on marijuana policy and black and white see what they did there i get it what they talk about is that basically they put data analysts to looking at all of the numbers and everything they talk about in counties large and small urban and rural none of the law enforcement that's being done is fair it's not making anybody safer, it's wasting resources, and it's taking a toll on thousands of lives. And what the ACLU talks about is all wars are expensive, and the, the war on marijuana alone, not even looking at all the other war on drugs mm -hmm. pieces, the war on marijuana alone has been just as expensive as other wars have been. And like actual. Yeah, like they've spent billions of dollars. Like individual states are spending billions of dollars on the war. And instead, on they could be making billions of dollars. And putting it into fixing things. Mm -hmm. I, so here in Albuquerque recently, the more that I've thought about legalization of marijuana, the more I'm like, we could fix things that really shouldn't even still be an issue, such as, you know, filling potholes and roads. Right. Like, our mayor was out recently with a road crew filling potholes in neighborhoods in Albuquerque. We do have it pretty good, though, here in Albuquerque. Like, prosecuting for weed is, like, nothing. They're, it's actually decriminalized yeah. now. Very recently. Um, yeah, like, within the past two months or something. Yeah. But it's not legal. It's just decriminalized. Right. So if you're caught with a small amount, you are not going to jail or anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, the I think... They just have bigger fish to fry here for the and most part. And the culture so here is, many people here smoke. Yeah, the culture here is very different when it comes to marijuana. And I mean, when we first moved here, there were people walking down the street smoking with cops driving by. Nobody cares. It's just our bigger concerns are meth and... Homelessness. 
Homelessness is a massive issue here in Albuquerque. We have a park nearby where a kid actually got stuck in the foot by a needle. That was, I mean, marijuana is really the last thing that cops are mm-hmm. concerned with. It's, it's just not a problem. So collateral consequences of somebody being arrested for marijuana is that their eligibility for public housing and student financial aid is gone. That and that's really shitty. Yeah. It's so that's yep. terrible. And there's actually a question when you're filling out your FAFSA for undergrad and grad school that asks you if you've ever been prosecuted on a drug offense. If you say yes, you are not eligible for federal financial funding. It not only like fucks you in that moment right. that you're arrested or whatever happens, you're fucked like yeah. Way down the road. You can't go to school. You can't apply for I mean, you can if you're lucky enough to afford it. You can't apply for public housing. It talks about employment opportunities will be lost because you've been convicted Mm -hmm. of a drug charge. Nobody cares what the drug is or was. Mm -hmm. Right. It just shows as a criminal drug offense. Did you see, uh, I think it was last week, New York State had, New York State, New York City, it was New York City or New York State had said that they were going a lot of they're going to stop a lot of places from actually um, drug drug testing for yeah. marijuana yep. use, which is smart. Is yeah, it's it's so common at yeah. this point. And even with medical marijuana cards, you can still lose a job or not be mm-hmm. uh, considered for a position, whether you've got a medical marijuana card or not. They don't care. Mm-hmm. It shows a positive drug test. Sometimes certain employers will, if you show them proof. They'll waive the the part where your marijuana shows up in your urine tests or whatever. But in general, it's a problem. ACLU talks about it having a bearing on child custody determinations. Oh, we actually have a friend yeah. who is going through a divorce at, at this point in her life. And um, she got a medical marijuana card, but she was informed that she should probably not purchase any marijuana with her card for the sake of not giving like any ammunition i guess yep. for the, for the father like yep. to prevent this whole like him using that as a way of like trying to get custody right. and which is ridiculous when you have a medical mm-hmm. card it's a medical necessity i'm actually going to go for my medical card because i have ptsd i don't sleep i have a lot of anxiety issues and it helps it it helps me sleep it helps me calm down i've adjusted now so i don't just fall asleep every time i so you're pretty you are lance is pretty new to to like cannabis and not like new but like has never been like a a you like i don't smoke you don't smoke and it's made a huge difference Huge. Like ha- take, having edibles. Yep. I'm like... not reliant on trazodone to sleep. I use an anti-anxiety medication. I take half of the dose that I normally was required to take in order to sleep. I fall asleep. I'm not having nightmares. I'm calmer. I, there is an adjustment period. Don't get me wrong. I've gone through a period of like, I have a consumable and I immediately want to go to sleep. That's always been an issue for me. Not so much anymore. Now I can actually function and do most things. I will never drive under the influence. I'm the same I, way. I won't do that. I won't. There, Like you can... If you can do these things, you can you can have you know go out and and smoke your weed or whatever and right. do do your thing. I'm gonna do mine, and, but I'm gonna do it responsibly. Exactly. So it doesn't matter if you have a card; you still have to be responsible yeah. with that card. Exactly. Because let me tell you, I can barely walk correctly without yeah, marijuana. So you give me an edible, and I'm like tripping over air and laughing at everything. I'm far better now. I can function far more i can get things done but by the time i go to bed i'm actually tired and with the help of one of my hydroxyzines i'm in good shape nationwide the arrest data revealed one consistent trend significant racial bias in marijuana arrests Mm -hmm. despite roughly equal usage rates black people are 3.73 times more likely than whites to be arrested for marijuana. Of the 8.2 million marijuana arrests between 2001 and 2010, 
88% were for simply having marijuana on them. Mm. I've been Stupid. pulled over so many times in my life. It, last time, it's been a long time ago. But a handful of those times that I've been pulled over for speeding, it's always speeding. Like, I did have weed in my car. And there was this one time in particular that I got pulled over on Highway 74 in North Carolina. Got pulled over by this state trooper. And uh, he pulled me over and... For whatever reason, he wanted to search my car, and he searched my car, put his drug dog in the car, and uh, the dog was, like, going crazy, and there was weed in my glove box. The cop did nothing. Did nothing. Didn't even open my glove box. Didn't do anything. Just literally was just like, okay, and just let me go. And there was, I mean, granted, it was only, like, a well, like a little bit of weed in there. I was in, right. in high school, so it's not like I was, like, loaded and rolling in <laughs> weed. But it was just, like, enough to smoke with some friends for that night or whatever. But he didn't even bother looking, and I'm guessing it was probably because it was a white guy. Probably. I mean, even this talks about people routinely being arrested in the millions of people, mind you, just for possessing marijuana, billions of taxpayer, fair, fair, taxpayer dollars fund the arrests, but they disproportionately target black people. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen this for years and years on end. I mean, this was even the case early on when it was Nixon, right, that started the war on drugs? I can't remember. I have, no, was it? Pretty, Did it go back that far? Yeah, it goes back that far. I'm pretty sure it was Nixon that started the whole disaster. Huh. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> I want to get through this article before the break. So, the war on marijuana is a failure. No shit, Sherlock. Between 2001 and 2010, there were over 8 million people arrested for pot. That's ridiculous. One bust every 37 seconds and hundreds of thousands ensnared in the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. Enforcing marijuana costs about $3.6 billion a year, yet the war on marijuana has failed to diminish use or availability. So enforcing marijuana laws costs $3.6 billion a year. And Colorado alone, since 2014, <laughs> was it yeah. 2014, has already made over $6 billion, right? Right. It was $6 billion. Yeah. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, none of this makes sense. Marijuana use is roughly equal among blacks and whites. Blacks are 3.73 times as likely to be arrested for marijuana possession. People don't use marijuana. It's not a freaking gateway drug like we were all taught. Like, I've never, like, I've never done. My my other drug use as a youth was, what's it called? Ecstasy. Thank you. And that came before I ever touched marijuana. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I've done, I've definitely done my fair share of drugs, but it wasn't because of, because I smoked marijuana first. Yeah. That's not why I did no. my, my fair share of drugs and experimenting. It's because... I was curious. Right. I wanted to experiment. And I I knew that, so I started mostly because a friend had pointed out that it helps with pain. I was going through really severe carpal tunnel. So I started because of pain from severe carpal tunnel and I was going to have surgery. And everybody knows that opioids after surgery are not always great. So I started using edibles to help control pain before and after surgeries. I had to have it on both hands, and it helped. I was like, holy crap, I'm not in pain. I can sleep. I can actually function the next day. We're good. So I like was, how you forget your fibromyalgia. Well, I don't really use it throughout the day. No, to, you don't use it throughout the day. It did recently when I was without my Lyrica for two weeks, it was the only reason why my sanity was in one piece was because I had edibles that I could use during the day without ruining schoolwork. So it, it helps, it really does help control pain. It helps with nausea. It helps with a lot of different things. There's a lot of research out there. I highly suggest people look into it. And depending on the strain, yeah, I mean, it could be, it could be like, like what you were pointing out for pain and sleep and and all that stuff and depending on the strain it could be for creativity right. and uh, awareness not that you should be smoking weed and driving down the road thinking you're going to be more aware yeah no that doesn't work um but yeah depending on the strain and you'll hear a lot of people say oh but it's bad for people with anxiety there are certain strains that are not helpful for mm -hmm. people with anxiety but there are actual strains 
to help with anxiety. So it it does help a, in a lot of ways. This is why there's legal medical marijuana in a lot of states, and then it eventually leads to legal recreational use because people realize this isn't the devil's lettuce. Actually, I think what really leads to it uh, to to like legalization is that the states see the money. Mm-hmm. I really think a lot of it has of to do with the states. And, and pro- I mean, come on, honestly, how many of these these lawmakers are, you know, sitting at home after their day, right. uh, token away. Yep. And, and uh, police officers, I mean, I know a lot of people that have and do. And it's just, it's it's hypocritical that these people also have to go back out and arrest people. Now, people make choices, blah, 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 whatever. But I just, I think nationally this needs to not be a thing. Mm-hmm. There are movements the co- among various people. And the cost alone, like the war, the war on drugs, we said cost yep. three three billion dollars or yep. something. I don't know. And then, like with what Colorado made in just right. a couple of years, yeah. we, we can't keep having a war on marijuana. Right. We can't do that. It's it, it's just not. Yep. And I mean, the war on drugs alone is absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It does no good. There are studies in countries that have legalized and shown that drug use does not increase. It actually decreases, and the the types of drugs that get used change, and we just we have a backward system here. But after the break, we will talk a little more about um, marijuana arrests, and then we'll move into the cost. Uh, more on the cost of the war on drugs and if legalizing marijuana helps or harms Americans. So after the break, there's more to talk about and we will see you shortly. See you then. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Rendezvous. We're on the second half of our episode, Weeding Out Injustice, Lighting Up the Economy. So we left talking about the war on marijuana and black and white people, and we want to move a little bit more into arrests. Um, According to the ACLU's analysis, marijuana arrests now account for over half of all drug arrests in the United States. Of the 8.2 million million arrests between 2001 and 2010, 88% were for simply having marijuana. Nationwide, the arrest data revealed one consistent trend, significant racial bias. Despite roughly equal usage rates, this is like the third time you've heard this, but I'm going to keep repeating it, Blacks are 3.73 times more likely than whites to be arrested for marijuana. It's ridiculous. It is crazy. I wonder how much money came from lobbyists. Well, I'm sure a ton of money came from lobbyists, um, probably in the alcohol uh, in the alcohol industry. Right. Um, lobbying against legalization. <gasps> absolutely. And I'm willing to bet the prison system as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. I have no doubt. Because it's big money. Prisons are big money. Unfortunately, it's, right. it's fucking disgusting, but they're big money in this country. Yeah. So when was this one written? September of 2017. At that time, 30 states allowed medical use of marijuana. I'm not sure what we're at right now. I think it's still 30. So even this Newsweek article talks about the ridiculousness of the arrests. They had someone from the Drug Policy Alliance, which is actually a really cool resource If you're looking for information, check out the Drug Policy Alliance. They want to know why law enforcement wastes so many resources and lock up so many people just for personal use of marijuana. It doesn't make sense. And it costs, at this time, they were talking about a study in 2010 found that when bus reach about 750,000 people, the cost of arrests amounted to... More than $3.6 billion, which we said earlier. And the cost is still in the billions, even though overall arrests have been down 20% since their peak. And this was in 2017. 
Not sure if it's dropped more since then. But still, the cost is still in the billions. It's there's, a lot of money. There's no reason. We should not be paying that much money. It all comes as 57% of voters think legalization of pot would make society better. That was in 2017. Now I think we're in the majority of the country, 60-something or 70-something percent, believe that marijuana legalization should be done. And that includes Republicans, conservative Republicans. Right. There are a few that are on board. I can't remember who it was, but there's one that shocked me. He's got commercials out with his name all over it. People are realizing that not only are we wasting money and resources, but this does not truly harm people. It is absolutely not worse than alcohol. That $3.6 billion, I think, is like for each state. Because ACLU is, says that it costs $3.6 billion yeah, for each state. It's for each state. state. And a total of like 20-something million dollars a year. Or billion. Billion, yeah. not million. Billion dollars a year. God, will you just listen to me once in a while? Sometimes. Sometimes. Good Lord. So people, more and more people believe that it should be legalized. Whether they say this to anybody or not, I know in my own family, we've seen a lot of people coming out in support of marijuana legalization. A lot of people see it. They see the reality. They might not admit it openly, but people are saying, yes, it should be legalized. And um, Normal, they're another one, N-O-R-M-L. They are a great organization, too. They seek to liberalize marijuana laws as well. And they talk about the need for state lawmakers to respect the will of the majority of their constituents and marijuana prohibition. How have we not learned from once in our history that prohibition never, ever it never worked. worked? And it doesn't work for, didn't work for alcohol. It doesn't work for any drug that we're trying to outlaw. It does not work for prostitution. No. It does nothing. All it does is create unsafe. more... Right. It creates unsafe environments no matter what it is, whether it's legalization of drugs or prostitution. When you prohibit things, people do some shady shit to increase their revenue to whatever, from cutting it with substances to not having sex workers regularly tested. Sex workers are maltreated. Sex workers are often sort of in slave type positions. I and mean, we, we create these unsafe environments when in reality, we can legalize it and we could control things. We could have safety precautions in place. And even even in these states where where they're able to sell recreational marijuana or whatever, I believe, at, I, I remember at one point, they weren't able to use banks federally. They couldn't deposit right. money. Yeah. And I still think that's the case. Yeah, it's the case. They still can't. So they have to um, accept only cash. Yep. It just, it puts businesses in such terrible positions. It it creates issues. It's, it's nonsense. If a state legalizes it, the federal government should just step off. Really, this should just be nationally decriminalized. It should be accepted. They should amend laws. Before I go any further, though, one thing that I want to say and one thing I hope everybody realizes, even if we decriminalize or fully legalize, we are doing no justice if we do not take people out of prison, out of jail that have Absolutely. been arrested. Absolutely. These people should be released. These people should be assisted. We are screwing up so many people's lives by this. And if we just legalize and leave people in prison, we are absolutely not doing any social good. We are just making money for the state, and that doesn't make any sense. People's records should be erased. They should be released from prison. They should receive special help to get back into society because coming out of prison and becoming part of American citizenry is really challenging if you don't have support. So there should be support in place. We should retroactively just erase people's records, release them from prison, declutter our prison of useless minor marijuana violations, and make life easier. Take people off of probation and parole for it. It's, everything needs to be reversed and fixed. We really do mess up a lot of lives over something that really is not a big deal. Truthfully, I find it less dangerous than alcohol, but we won't get into that. Actually, I think I might have gotten my my information mixed up on the using the banks. I don't know if they're allowed to use banks at all, are no, they? No, they're not. They're they not allowed to use banks at they all. Can't so deposit. they can't process payments in like different forms. Right. They just can't use 
the banking system. Yes. They can't. They can't deposit. They can't. Like it's it's stupid. I wonder how they go about uh, moving that money. Like where do they? No uh, idea. We'll have to look it up and see. We'll have to look into it. Something I didn't even think of, but yeah, it's ridiculous. This article talks about marijuana possession remains one of the single largest arrest categories in the nation and accounts for more than 5% of all arrests. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. 5% of all arrests are from marijuana possession. Nonsense. Normal, which is another link that you'll find, actually has a really interesting whole about marijuana page. And one of the things they talk about are the drug war. The U.S. prison population is six to ten times as high as most Western European nations. Last year, more than 600,000 people were arrested in this country for marijuana-related offenses alone. Marijuana prohibition causes more problems than it solves and ruins thousands more lives than it supposedly tries to save. Mm. We've said this repeatedly over the past over 30 minutes, and I'm going to say it a million more times before the end of this 30 million, 30 minutes. Uh, Normal's state laws outlines the laws and penalties for marijuana conduct in 50 states great 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 place to go to look at laws what's going on you can see federal laws and it's all the, it's good to do this too because i mean if you're out and about right and you know you've got some weed on you or something yep. and normal actually has a legal committee that provides legal support and assistance to victims of marijuana laws they even monitor developments in state and federal law and they file appellate and amicus curiae or friends of the court briefs what is it normal N-O-R-M-L dot org. Never heard of them. They're huge. They've been around for a really long time, too. Really, I honestly think I believe they've been around since the 90s, but I could be wrong. I remember them. I I've been around since the 90s. Yeah, you've been around since the 70s. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, they also have a marijuana research library. It's amazing. Two, 22,000 published studies or reviews. A clearinghouse for marijuana-related information, such as health reports, latest national and state polls, written testimony, and arrest data. They're they're an incredible resource of information. So, does legalizing marijuana help or harm Americans? I'm going to say that it helps Americans because, I'll tell you what, I've been smoking weed for a long time. Long, long time. I was probably 14, 15, maybe, when I first smoked. Good lord. And I haven't smoked consistently throughout my entire life, but I am definitely um, a fan of the cannabis. And I can tell you that if I want it, I'm going to go find it. And I did that. Right. Like, if if I can't go to a store and buy it, I will go out and I will find someone where that I can get it from. And there's that whole piece of you cannot effectively prohibit something. Prohibition does not work. Prohibition doesn't work. No. Like, it's going to get out. Like, you could easily drive across the border, go get something, drive back across the border. If you're white, they're not really going to suspect you. I don't don't advise anyone to go across the border and get drugs. Do not (laughs) listen to Lance. Do not cross the border and get drugs and bring them back. Don't do that. (laughs) I'm not saying to do that. I'm saying people do do that. And if you want to get it, you're going to get it. Somehow you're going to get it. Exactly. And... I'm from Massachusetts, and I know my friends when I was in high school and after. They were fantastic at finding whatever they wanted when they wanted it. And it may have taken a trip to New York State or Connecticut or Vermont, but they got it. They found it. They got what they wanted. So how much money can states earn from marijuana taxes? We talked about Colorado. Colorado, and it's only it's climbing. It's yeah, climbing. yeah, it's climbing. So I think as more um, as more and more people become comfortable with the idea, more and more people are going to make these purchases. Right. And that's going to help our country. It's going to help our economy. It's going to help our children because they're going to have better education. Right. We're going to have nicer roads to drive on. Yeah. We'll be able to afford to pay more policemen. So many good things that would come from legalization of marijuana across the country. Yep. Now, Georgia State did a study, and they found that alcohol sales fell by 15% in states where only medical marijuana had been legalized, and 20% in counties where recreational marijuana was sold legally. Mm -hmm. The states made more than enough back from marijuana sales, 
since marijuana taxes are generally higher than alcohol taxes. Which, again, is bullshit. Alcohol, and Lance and I have talked about this before, alcohol, I feel, is way more dangerous it is. than cannabis. Way, way more dangerous. I'm trying, Same thing with cigarettes, like or tobacco use in general. I'm trying to remember, there's a recent health outcomes, few studies that were done, I cannot remember, but essentially what we're seeing is there are like some memory issues, like stupid things that can be recovered. It's nothing that greatly affects so far. I mean, currently in the United States, we can't study the actual effects of marijuana use. We can't study marijuana. We can do anything. It's prohibited. Like they can look at people that already use, but that doesn't help. You don't control like the usage and things, which is what a lot of studies want to do. They want to have controls in place to understand. In a lot of studies we see that are screaming all these terrible things, they can't control for alcohol use. They can't control for a lot of these things because you're, you can't control someone's daily life if they're not part of an experiment. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's nonsense. Other states are even reaping the benefits of marijuana taxes. California pulled in $345 million in 2018. Washington, $376 million. A cannabis website, a data website called New Frontier Data predicts that legalized cannabis market will grow to $25 billion by 2025. That's a lot of money. That's a Lot. That's a lot of green. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, but still, that was there... like a, that was like my count my Count Dracula laugh. That was like uh, who's the guy on Sesame Street? It's Street? Count Dracula. It is Count Dracula. Uh, 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 okay. The Count. The Count. There are a lot of questions about how much tax revenue states can earn. Blah blah blah. Especially considering some states missed their production predictions by a long shot. Um, the governor of California predicted. A larger $643 million in revenue, and Washington thought that the state would only earn $160 million. So we're not good at projecting the, the amounts yet, but we're getting there. Other types of goods to protection, projections are typically more reliable, but this is a new market and it's prone to error. We are states surrounding... States with legalization are missing out on a oh, ton of yeah. money. Your people are leaving the state. We're we're crossing into the border to, to buy weed. Right. And that could be that would be money that would be generated for our own economy, yep. our our own state economy, where we have to have it legalized here. Exactly. And then like they talk about people that don't want marijuana legalization, like to talk about how California missed its pro- projections, but Colorado though struggled to meet its projections in the first three years, exceeded its projections. So, again, it's a new market. We don't know how it's going to work. We don't know what it's going to look like. And regardless of whether it met met its projection or not, it's still turning massive profit. Right. Right now, Colorado, Washington, and Nevada have made more from marijuana taxes than they originally predicted. Uh, Oregon and California missed their predictions by millions, but... Again, you just, you don't know. You don't know. You've never been allowed to look at this, so how do you really know? Right. Make a guess, and you're either going to be And it's off. not like it's hurting. Like, right. It's not like like legalizing hurt the state. They still are making bank. Speaking of hurting, is legalized marijuana hurting you? No. So, a well-trodden argument against legalizing marijuana is that it could lead to youth using it more. For example, anti-drug D.A.R.E. has blamed marijuana for a rise in school suspensions and youth suicide, among other things. There's a problem with D.A.R.E. saying this. There isn't enough research on this to give the data. Studies have shown that youth marijuana use decreases in states where medical marijuana is legalized, and they guess that it's due to kids viewing marijuana as medicinal Mm -hmm. rather than recreational. And regardless, I mean, alcohol is not, oh, you know, God. Yeah. and in, uh, it doesn't stop, it doesn't stop no. teenagers, youth from, from getting that. Other studies. I'll just talk about marijuana is making me hungry. Oh my God. Other studies have suggested that legalizing marijuana can lead to increased use. This could simply be reporting bias. Basically, if it's legalized, people are more willing to be honest about using it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
So we're not we're we're not just all running out. We're just being more open about it. Gets it gets a lot. It, it takes does away with a lot of the stigma that yep. surrounds it. And some studies, like in Colorado, teens had a statistically significant drop in marijuana use over the three years after it was legalized recreationally. There are even strong indicators that legalization of recreational marijuana can decrease use in youth, but again, it's going to take some time for us to have data that we can actually tout. And just one researcher coming out and saying something means nothing. We need to we need people Agreed. to go back and back it. So, I mean, uh, there's there's a lot. It's people are being a little ridiculous about this. Even the World Health Organization suggested that cannabis should be rescheduled within international law because they see evidence that the drug can help with treatment of severe medical issues, which we just talked about. It marks a huge change from the World Health Organization, or WHO, which for the last 60 years has held the view that cannabis should not be used in medicine. Now, they're like, oh, hey, we were wrong. Good for them. Good for them for admitting their their faults. The WHO, I mean, that's what happens with science. Yeah. We learn something, we correct our view. We can be wrong. Scientists can be wrong. But we also admit that our view can change if data suggests we're wrong. Mm -hmm. And you're open to that. If not, you're not really a scientist. So the WHO Expert Committee on Drug Dependence recommends that cannabis, resin, and other marijuana products be removed from Schedule 4 of the UN Single Convention on Narcotic Drugs of 1961. All drugs in Schedule 4, which are also included in Schedule 1 by default, that makes no sense, are considered to have particularly dangerous properties which override any potential therapeutic benefits. As a result, they're the most strictly controlled. Cannabis and cannabis resin are included in Schedule 1 and 4, and substances that are included in both schedules are liable to abuse and produce ill effects and have little or no therapeutic use. So what they basically have realized is that it doesn't match what they're saying that it leads to abuse and all these Mm -hmm. issues. It's just not holding up. The data is showing otherwise. The fact that cannabis is in the Schedule 4 means that scientists who want to investigate the plant in the search for potential therapies face barriers, significant barriers. Research has shown that cannabis preparations can help with treatment of pain and other medical conditions like epilepsy and symptoms for multiple sclerosis. That was my five-minute warning, guys. They're, they're realizing that this is nonsense. It is. It's nonsense. When the World Health Organization steps up and says, oh, hey, we were wrong, that should probably give pause to the entire mm-hmm. world to be like, oh, hey, we might all need to revise. Because this is preventing research. A lot of people are also concerned about property values and like how how is a, a dispensary coming into their neighborhood going to impact oh my um, god you skipped there i skipped i totally skipped you skipped one that's okay that's okay we're still we're gonna go with it we're gonna go with it so a new study from real estate marketing firm called clever found that home values increased nearly twenty three thousand dollars more between 2014 and 2019 <clears throat> in cities that allow retail cannabis dispensaries to set up shop compared with cities where recreational marijuana was illegal. Uh, what they said was that investors see the opportunity to enter a new market and home values respond. So Massachusetts just recently uh, legalized recreational marijuana use, and they're setting up dispensaries, one of which is in my hometown of Lee, And my parents said, A, they took an old um, abandoned, well, it wasn't abandoned yet. They took an old car dealership and they've completely transformed it into this beautiful building. It looks really cool and it's going to be a dispensary. So a few things happen. You know what you're buying. You are buying from a place that has to only get their marijuana from... um, uh, I don't want to say policed because that's terrible right. wording, but regulated, regulated. Thank you. They have to buy from regulated producers. So you know what you're getting. You know, it's not contaminated with anything. Contamination is going to happen. 
It happens in everything. But so you it, also don't have to go into like some alley to get. I mean, I don't know if I'm sure people still go into alleys to get weed. I haven't done that in a long time. But like, you don't have to. You don't right. have to. Do you don't that have to search these, out somebody. You don't have to be afraid of. You being, don't have to put yourself in danger exactly. of meeting new people that you've never yep. met. Exactly. So it's uh, everything that we've talked about so far points to the fact that marijuana legalization is a good thing. It does not increase usage among teens. Colorado showed a massive decrease in teenage use. Uh, property values aren't negatively affected. There's there's just nothing. I mean, even, um, uh, what's it called? Reason, which is a, a libertarian organization, talks about court filings, uh, plummeting there this one goes way back but you'll you'll see it the effects of drug use opioid use is a huge national conversation that's one we should be worried about Mm. we should all of these resources that we have been devoting to the war on drugs should be diverted to the war on opium and not opium opium (laughs) the war on opium (laughs) What year are we in? The war on opioids, and it shouldn't be a war. It should literally be a a a focus. We should be focusing on offering help for people. Prevention. We should, we should be which offering is exactly prevention. The money generated from cannabis legalization right. goes towards prevention and outreach and those sorts of things. And they can use it to help people. That so a lot of people end up addicted to opioids because they were given an actual prescription for something and that something doesn't resolve so over time they become addicted we can prevent that we can train doctors to do pain prevention like there's so much we can do with this money so hopefully within my fast talking over the past little over an hour you kind of have learned a little bit you understand you see the negative impacts and the racist impacts. I mean, there's no way around it. Mm. It's racist. It's a racist war on drugs. So write your senators, write your state representatives, write your governor, write everybody, write every congressperson. Let them know that you support legalization, why you support legalization. And please check out the links, check out the organizations, and let us know what you think. And on that note, I am going to go get high and eat. (laughs) And happy 420. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Rendezvous with Kenny and Lance. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash The Rendezvous T-H-E-R-E-N-D-E-Z-B-R-E-W or check out our Twitter at The Rendezvous or you can even email us at rendezvous at protonmail.com R-E-N-D-E-Z-B-R-E-W at protonmail.com and even better, you can leave us a review on Facebook or even the podcasting app that you listen to us on. Better yet, do both. Join us each Friday as we explore a multitude of topics, issues, concerns, and controversies. See you next time.